How are you guys doing this morning? That was weak. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> now, we preach a lot in places like Africa, and the crowds are wild and crazy, so I don't, I don't necessarily expect to have that kind of a response, but a, but a hee-haw or a oh yeah every once in a while would be okay, all right? Let's try that. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Man, this is, this is great. Dennis told me that you guys are going to be real quiet this morning, but that's not true. <laughs> But it's an honor to be with you, and uh, my wife and I travel the nations. We've been doing it for 21 years and together now for the last nearly 17 years. And uh, we're a team. We believe that women can preach the gospel just as good as any man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And so I want you to put your hands together for my wife. Thank you. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. And been very welcome at the door. Worship was amazing. Um, it's always a pleasure to be with the people of God anywhere you go in the world. You're always family, right? So I'm from Brazil originally, I guess a few years, right? <laughs> um, but we've been traveling the world everywhere, sharing the same good news, that God's still the same that he was, and that he always be, today, yesterday, and forever, right? Amen. Amen. And so growing up in Brazil, my parents are pastors, so I grew up at church, and then I realized going to church doesn't make you a Christian. The same way eating a hamburger is going to turn you to a hamburger, right? <laughs> so I realized that I had a response to do, and I needed to make a personal decision and I did that and later on God called me to the world and I asked God but what do I have to give and God said your heart and I was like my heart how that works and going through the nations when you walk in and you walk in through the glasses of your heart seeing people through love of the father how he see them now, not how they're looking, not how they're living, but how God sees the potential in every single one of them. And walking out of love, I saw a lot of people being saved. I saw crazy miracles happen that I had no clue. A lady was brought in in one of the pastors' meeting one day, and nobody knew what was wrong with her body. Um, she looked like flesh over her legs and all upper. They brought her in on a mattress. She looked like she was dying. And later we found out she, put, uh, she was uh, boiling water and went all over her body. And her legs and foot was totally black. There was no flowing of blood anymore, circulation or anything. And uh, there was a lot of infection going on. And when I looked at the lady, nobody was going to pray for her. Because it's scary. What are you going to do? But then when you understand it's not you, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, then you walk as if Jesus, because Jesus is in you, right? So I looked and I was like, let me pray for something easy. So I saw a blind lady. Blind lady looks easier, right? So I went to the blind lady, and I start praying for her and speaking life and restoration 
And Jesus started healing her eyes and her eyesight. Her eyes was white and she got an infection many years ago. And her eyes started opening up and she started like going down and African lady. So she's jumping and she's going down and she's screaming and she's saying, Papa, 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 thank you. Because she could see. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. And that's God. And yeah. that's in you. You have a miracle inside of you. If you have Jesus, then the same spirit God, the resurrect Jesus from the dead is in you. Then it's not based on you. It's based in you stepping up in faith and obeying and praying over and expecting Jesus do what he said he would do, right? So after I saw that, then like faith rise up, but it was more than that. When I looked at that woman, what came to me was, and if she was my mother. And that shifted my mind right away. But that was God's love. Because that's how he seed her. And I was like, if it was my mother, I would run to her. I wouldn't be scared. I would be, you know, I would use all the faith I got. So that's what shift in my heart. And I ran to that lady. And I started praying. And suddenly, the pain left. Soon, she's like, they start talking. And I was like, what is happening? And she was like, it's like a bunch of bees is stinging my, my, my toes. And I was like, that's great. That means circulation is start coming up. And pretty soon, she f- felt blood flowing. Pretty soon, this leg got up. Nate came in, and the translators came. And we always start praying for her. And what she did was... She started asking, and she said, I want to get up because in the name of Jesus, I will walk. And Jesus said, be done according to your faith. Guess what happened? First few steps, very painful. She had a few men helping her, and pretty soon she was totally healed. So what we're going to be sharing today is just what Jesus did, and he's told us that was his last words was that we can bring the good news to the world and do the same so i want to live little nuggets here but i enjoy going all over the world and seeing jesus being manifested and people seeing that jesus is real and then they come to jesus so thank you amen yeah How many of you believe that God wants to show himself powerful through you? Amen? But you got to step out in faith. You know, we've, we've been privileged to see a lot of things, and it's not because we're special or we carry anything different than you carry. It's just because we were there. If you were there, you would have seen the same things. You guys believe that? And so some of the things that we're going to be sharing this morning, it might challenge you. It might go against things that maybe you've grown up believing or you've been taught. But whenever you're challenged when it comes to Scripture or the Word of God, you guys know what you do? You go back to the Word of God. I love the story about the Berean people in Acts Acts chapter 17. It says that they were more noble than the people of Thessalonica because they received the Word with eagerness and they examined the Scripture daily to check up on what Paul was saying. So what we're sharing about is New Testament Christianity. 
If Jesus is alive, then the same things that took place in the Bible can take place today. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8 says. So our ministries, it's not built around miracles. It's built around the gospel. But when the gospel is preached, miracles happen. And it doesn't point to us. It points to Jesus. What is a sign and a wonder? It's a sign that makes you wonder. Right? It's a sign that points to Jesus and says, wow, if that happened, then maybe, maybe I need to give some thought to this gospel stuff. When we stand in front of crowds in places like Pakistan and India and thousands of people that are, are Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist and they have no grid for understanding the gospel, they've got no uh, Christian background. You know, here in America, even though many people are not believers, we've still got a, a Christian foundation. In these countries, they've never heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the creation story. They've never heard about Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve. They've never heard about this cross where supposedly someone died. It's brand new. And I stand up there on a stage with my little black book that I call the Bible or the Word of God. What's the difference between their Koran or their holy writings? If we can't prove that Jesus is alive, then what separates Jesus Christ Authentic Christianity from all the other religions of the world. And not the only way, but one of the ways is signs, wonders, and miracles like the book of Acts, like the New Testament. Pretty quiet in here. Can I get an oh yeah? So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to share just a few slides of some of the things we're doing around the world. Um, things we've been privileged to do. The name of our ministry is L3 International, and it stands for the least, last, and lost, and we target areas where there's very little gospel witness. We go into places where there's no churches, um, no foreign workers, missionaries working. Um, many of these places have never heard the name of Jesus, and we preach the gospel. We demonstrate the gospel. We do mercy projects. We call it radical compassion because people need to see the hands and feet of the gospel. Amen? We believe that very strongly, that people need to see the love of God in action. We don't just come with words. We come in power, but we also come with practical solutions. So go ahead and, and run a few of these slides here. Um, I think the first one is my beautiful family. That's uh, our oldest, Gabriel. This was about a, two years ago, so he's 14 now. And that little girl that takes after me is our beautiful daughter, Amelia. And... Um, She's, she's adopted. We adopted her from birth, and she's our, our little princess. And that was at one of our campaign events. There's about 8,000 Tanzanians in the background there uh, that we preached the gospel to that night. Um, go ahead and run a, run a few more here. This is my son Gabriel leading a group of school children to the Lord on the streets of Zambia. And through a translator, he shared the gospel, and then he said, Daddy, all right, you close the deal. So he wasn't quite ready to, to pray the salvation prayer. And then uh, after he prayed with him, we pushed him forward again, and he said, but there's more, pointed at the kids. He says, there's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so many Christians have never heard about the Holy Spirit. They've heard about God and Jesus, but they don't know that this, this powerful third part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, wants to live in them. And so Gabriel began to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch their lives, and they begin to be filled with the Spirit. They begin to, uh, to be healed physically. It's fun when you see your kids experiencing God's presence. Go ahead. Uh, this uh, Home of Hope is our uh, 
the name of our orphanage that we started in 2012 in northern Zambia on the southern Tanzanian border. And it's an area that was extremely overlooked. To this day, there's no foreign missionaries working in that area. There's a number of churches, but through local connections and just through God's grace, we established Home of Hope Orphanage. Um, as you can see right there, we bought the land, we built it, and it is still to this day the only orphanage in the region. We take care of 48 children that had been discarded, um, that had been left to die in fields and alleys, and we gave them a, a hope and a future, but even more than that, every one of those kids has been introduced to Jesus Christ and made a decision to follow him. Amen. That right there is a property we purchased last year that's adjacent to our, the orphanage we have, and we're building a school for the children of the orphanage, for the community, as well as a Bible school, because we oversee a network of churches in Africa that's uh, church planting in rural areas where there, no churches exist. And so that building there is going to be a school. There's going to be some dorm rooms there. We're going to add on to it, and it's also going to have a, a, a Bible school where these pastors and those who feel called to ministry can actually go in the evenings and be trained because most of the pastors are bivocational. They work during the day, they pastor a church, and then they'll go and study at night. So we've got it pretty easy here in America, don't we? <laughs> go ahead. This, these are a few of the miracle stories. Uh, this little boy, his name is Lazarus, and we gave him that name because he came to Home of Hope. He was 10 days old, and uh, the doctors gave him a very uh, slim chance of living. And so he pulled through. That's what he looked like on, on the left there, and that's where he's at today. God completely did a miracle in his life. He's healthy, strong. There's no symptoms of um, where he was at when he was, when he was born. So one of the miracle stories. Here's another one. This is Eric, and this little boy is real special to me because he was one of the first children to be brought to the orphanage. And on the right there, if you can kind of see, he's got these sores all over his face and all over his body because he was extremely malnourished. He'd been discarded. Um, I, th I believe his, his mom and dad both passed away, and uh, some of his relatives were trying to take care of him. And they weren't able to take care of him, and he was really sick and malnourished. Um, but that is where he's at today. He's a little child full of life and love, and he was a kid that would run from me every time he saw me because he was scared, traumatized. And now he runs to me and just, just hugs my legs every time I see him. So it's a, it's a pretty awesome story. This is um, our staff and leaders in Zambia. What we've been able to do so in, such incredible things because of the leadership we have on the ground. It's completely run by Zambians, by Africans, which is key to sustainability. We don't believe that the white guys from America need to come in and dictate the way everything works. So we have, we've set up an organization in Zambia, and we have our own Zambian L3 Africa staff that um, work under us, but they run things on a day-to-day -day basis. And so these men and women are church planters, and they're leaders, and they're serving day in and day out at Home of Hope. Go ahead. These are some more of our uh, pastors and leaders and uh, we plant mobile Bible schools in these villages, and these pastors service these, these Bible schools and go out every day and weekly to train and equip believers. I'll get to a few stories here. This is in Myanmar. How many of you guys know where Myanmar is? It's a nation in Southeast Asia, and up till about eight years ago, it was, for the most part, closed to 
to Westerners and closed to the gospel. It's one of the strongest Buddhist nations of the world. And we've been, we've been able to go in and out this last year preaching the gospel publicly to thousands of Buddhist people that have never heard the name of Jesus and also distributing Bibles. And what you see in this picture is Christians in Myanmar getting their very first Bible. Now, how many people in this room have more than one Bible? Pretty much everyone. Well, if you've got a phone, you can have 500 Bibles pretty easily. But imagine getting the very first Bible into your hands. And we watch these believers actually take the Bible and weep over it, kiss it, put it to their heart. They were so grateful to get a Bible in their local language they, that they could actually understand. And on that trip alone, we gave away 10,000 Bibles to Christian believers. You know, everything we do centers around the proclamation of the gospel. And this is one of our campaigns in Tanzania where, where we saw over 6,000 people respond to the gospel and get follow-up discipleship material that we had translated and printed in the Swahili language. So we believe not only in preaching the gospel, but also in discipleship. Go ahead. This is uh, perfect. We'll, we'll switch to that one. <laughs> You know, go ahead for time. We'll skip a few of these slides. But these are other ministry things that we've done this last year in Barbados, in Myanmar, in um, India. That was in an India campaign a couple years back before we got kicked out of the country for preaching Jesus. And I want to share with you guys a few, um, a few miracle stories. Because depending on what your background is, many of us have been taught that God doesn't do these things today or that if he does, he does them in Africa for some reason. But we are living proof that the same Jesus that works in Africa works here in America. Amen? Amen? And don't create your belief system around what you've seen or what you've been taught. You create it around the word of God. And this is my iPad. But you build it around the Word of God. And Mark chapter 16, verse, uh, verse 15 and 17, in the Passion Translation, he puts it like this. He says, As you go into all the world, preach... Where'd it go? As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. How many of you guys know that people need the gospel? Amen? That is the deepest need of the human heart, is the gospel. The gospel saves. And we live in a society that says, all, we, all you got to do is just do good, good things or good works or love people. It's not enough. The gospel is the message of salvation. And every believer is called to proclaim, to live, to demonstrate, and to share. You might say, I'm not a preacher. I'm not called like you are, Nate. And that's, maybe that's true. We don't all have the same callings, but you guys know, 22 years ago when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I had difficulty carrying on a conversation. I didn't like to look people in the eyes. I didn't have a, a lot of self-esteem. But God does not call us based on our qualifications. He qualifies those he calls. And so you might be sitting there today saying, but I don't feel qualified. Whose report are you going to believe? What you feel or what God says, because Colossians 1, chapter 12, says that you've been qualified through Jesus Christ. He has qualified you. I love the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. It says Gideon was the youngest member of his family. 
and he was threshing grain in a wine press for fear of the Midianites. So he's in hiding, doing his chores around the farm, threshing grain in hiding because the Midianites would come in and steal all the grain. And God, an angel of the Lord, appears to him. And do you know what he says? He says, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. I can see Gideon, this young guy, turning around saying, who, me? You talking to me? There's got to be one of my bigger, older brothers in here. Just like David, he was the youngest, but God called him. God says, I am with you, you mighty man of valor. You see, God doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. He sees the potential. God is a faith God, and he sees the potential in us. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. Think about that. He has faith in us that we will respond to his message if we hear it, and if we truly believe the gospel, we'll demonstrate it. So Mark chapter 16 says that all believers, not just the anointed and the appointed and the called ones and the ones who have been to seminary, but every believer is called to preach the good news to all the world. And then it goes on. And he says, the person who, or um, if you can go back there, uh, Mark chapter 16. He says, these signs will follow. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Not those who have a special anointing or know a lot, but those who believe. How many believers do we have here in the house today? Well, then you've been called not only to share this wonderful message, but to see it operate in power. Another one, John 14, 12 says, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to my Father. Do you know what happened when Jesus went to the Father? He sent the Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for me to go to my Father because you're going to get the Holy Spirit than if I, re uh, if I remain in flesh and blood among you. That's in John chapter 16. It's a greater benefit to have the Holy Spirit living and operating in us than to actually have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in flesh and blood with you today. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me excited. Yeah. If you've got Jesus... If you've been born again, you got the Holy Spirit on, on the inside of you. You are a new creation. You don't need to get anything more of God. You've just got to release what's on the inside of you. Yeah. Know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and through faith, we allow that power from the inside of us to come upon us. And then things begin to happen. Lives begin to be set free. Miracles take place. Just like a few is that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Whoa, there's a dove. Look at that. No, just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a few of these pictures here. This right here, it took place in India. And these, you know, these are a couple of our stories. We've got hundreds of stories. And again, it, it's because we went that we've seen these things. If you were there, you would have seen the same things. God uses people. He's got no hands but your hands. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. It's your time. It's our time. Amen? Amen? So this is not because we're anything special. It's just because we responded to the call of God. But this took place in India a couple years back. And as on one of our days off, we were walking around the city, and our translator was showing us different sites. And he pointed to this man sitting off to the side, and he said, this man is a Hindu tarot card reader. 
guys know what tarot card reading is. It's a type of fortune telling. And he said, if you pay him money, and he, he had this little birdcage next to him with a parrot, and if you pay him, the, the parrot comes out, picks up a tarot card, gives it to his master, and he will read your, your future, your tarot. And, uh, and then my translator said, you want to give it a try? And all the Americans step back and go, oh, don't do it. The devil's going to get you. The devil has been defeated. And that doesn't mean that we're ignorant of what he does, but it means we can walk in power and authority over him. And my reasoning was, if I allow him to do this, I will get an opportunity to share the gospel. And so we gave him like a $20 bill or something like that, which is just a lot of money in, in, in India. And, uh, and the bird comes out, picks up a card, and he looks at the card, looks up at me as his eyes begin to get really big. And he said, you are a very, very blessed man. And he said, your God is very powerful, and God will not allow any curse to come upon your life. And I said, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> and then I said, I want to tell you about this, God. And I got to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to a man who had never heard the name of Jesus before. There was no resistance. I asked him if he wanted to give his life, surrender his life to Jesus, make him Lord and Savior, and he said yes, and we got to pray with that man right on the streets to accept Jesus Christ. He did that because he saw the power of God. God revealed himself to that Hindu tarot card reader, and he was born again on the streets. Go ahead and show another one. This took place in Zambia. Um, this was a couple years back, and this was after one of our events. People came forward for prayer, and this woman in the middle, this, this young, young girl, her name was Annie. She was a teenager, and she was born deaf. She'd never, she'd never heard anything in her entire life, and she'd never learned how to speak before. And uh, everyone in the, her neighborhood, all the other kids knew her. She was the deaf girl. And as my wife began to pray for her, my wife and one of our team members there, Hyun from Korea, they began to minister to this girl named Annie, and they prayed. And you know what their prayer was? It wasn't, God, if you want to heal this person, would you heal her? Because Jesus wants to heal. We don't ask, God, do you want this person to be saved? Of course he wants to be that, that person to be saved. He died on the cross so that person could be saved, right? Are you, are you tracking with me? So when we pray for the sick, we don't pray, God, if you want to heal this person, heal them, because Jesus showed us the will of God. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all. And even more than that, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he took not only the sins of the world, but according to Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2.24, Matthew 8, and other scriptures, he took upon himself our sickness and disease. He reversed the curse. Sickness and disease and death and brokenness and all evil, how did it come into the world? Through a, a dude named Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Jesus came to reverse the curse. And he took not only sin, but he took the consequences of a broken world. Sickness, death, depression, anxiety, fear. None of these come from God. And so my wife... She began to speak the word of God. God, I thank you that your desire is good for Annie. We speak life into her body. We speak healing. What my wife was doing, she was taking Jesus' place. She was being the hands and feet of Jesus. She was operating in faith and speaking the word of God over Annie. And let me tell you, it didn't happen automatically. My wife prayed for over 30 minutes, and then all of a sudden one of her ears opened up and she began to hear. 
A little while later, the second ear opened up and she could hear clearly. And then she began to form words for the very first time in her life. She went home that night able to hear and beginning to speak. And that was a testimony to all the kids in her neighborhood to the power of God. Guys, that's the gospel. Amen? Amen? I'll, sh- I'll go ahead and share one more, one more story here. This took place in India a couple years ago. And this was, this was a young Hindu mom that came to one of our events. And as, as, f- as far as I can tell, she had gotten polio, which is not an issue here in America, but overseas they still deal with things like that. And her leg, it never fully formed. It was almost like, like rubber or jello. And she would hold this stick to walk along very clumsily um, with difficulty. And she came forward for prayer. And my, my wife here, who has just a heart of gold, began to minister the love of God to this woman. She didn't even feel like she was supposed to pray for healing. She, she just ministered the love of God to her heart. Because this is what takes place when you experience God's love. Faith comes alive. Galatians 5 says that faith works by love. Not our love for God, but God's love for us. When we truly understand how much God loves us, our heart is filled with faith. We don't demand people to have faith. We preach the love of God because when people understand God's love, then they can trust Him. Then faith becomes easy. Too often churches emphasize our need to love God. And absolutely we need to love God. But what I've discovered, if you emphasize how much God loves us, then our love for God just becomes an overflow. Does that make sense? Amen? Because this may come as a shock, but loving God is not a requirement to be, get born again. You guys understand that? You don't have to love God to get born again. The Bible says this is love, not your love for God, but His love for you. When you truly believe that He loves you unconditionally, the way you are, not the way you've been told to be, you will love God on accident more than you could ever do on purpose. I said this last night and it shocked a lot of people, but for years I preached a but gospel. And a but gospel is this. God loves you very much, but he's also upset at you sometimes. God loves you so much, but sometimes he's going he's gonna to hurt you. God loves you. He's good, but he's not good all the time. Sometimes he might afflict you with a sickness or disease. God's good, but if you don't go to church and pay your tithes, he's going to take it out on your washing machine. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a but gospel. God is good, but he's really not that good. God is good all the time. His desire is for his children. He came that we would experience abundant life, over-the-top life, a good life. And you know what? The way we experience in that life is by connecting to God and His ways because His ways are always good. What I've discovered is that I give more now that I understand the love of God than I ever gave under obligation or guilt and manipulation. I read more of the Word of God now because I want to know my Father, not because I want to get brownie points with Him. You guys know what I'm talking about. I witness more now. I don't do evangelism. I am a witness. 
Not because I'm trying to get God's approval, but because I love my Father, because He's changed my life. That's the gospel, guys. That's the way the gospel operates. And so in this, this, this picture here, this young woman came forward and she experienced the love of God. And when she experienced the love of God, all we had to do was lay hands on her leg and say, in Jesus' name, walk. And we took her stick and we began to walk across the field and she held on to my arm. She walked very slow at first and nothing was happening. About halfway across the field, she let go of my arm and she began to walk completely healed all the way across that soccer field. And then after that, the greatest thing took place. The greatest miracle took place because the greatest miracle is not a healing. Amen? The greatest miracle is not having the pain leave your body. The greatest miracle is salvation. And on the other side of that field, I got to lead her, her husband, and her children to Jesus Christ. They not only were healed, but they were born again. They were transformed. You see, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Not for the good, not for the people that earn it, not for the people that qualify. The gospel is for everyone that will receive it with the faith of a child. And there is a whole world we live in here in America that has never heard the gospel of God's great love for people. They've heard religion, they've heard tradition, Maybe they've heard legalism, but they've never heard about a God who bled and died for them, who paid the ultimate price so that they could stand before him the way they always should have been. You see, God freely gives us righteousness. You see, in the beginning, friends, and I know you know many of these things, but back in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had it made. They had everything they could ever want. They walked and talked with God. Their bodies were healthy. Their minds were straight. They weren't afraid of God. They didn't run in fear from Him. They walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. And I know there's not much cool of the day here in Las Cruces, but Adam and Eve had it made in the garden. And we know that a serpent, a deceiver, an enemy came in, and he said, God's not as good as you think He is. He doesn't love you that way. Listen to me. Follow me. Trust me. And he sowed a seed of doubt in Adam and Eve's heart against God and his way. And we know what happened. Adam and Eve turned. They rebelled against God. They rebelled against truth. They made themselves their own gods of their own little world. And we're still doing the same thing today. The results are the world we live in, brokenness, hurting, emotional collapse in society, suicide rates, drug abuse. And oftentimes we think God is the one responsible for these things. But Jesus showed up, up, up on the scene over 2,000 years ago, and he showed us what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus Christ, because he, see, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus showed us what God is like, and he loved the unlovable, he healed the broken, he forgave the unforgivable, a woman that was caught in adultery was thrown at his feet. Do you remember what he said? He said, the one without, with, without sin cast the first stone. One by one, the accusers left, and it was just the woman and Jesus. And he looked at her, and he said, woman, neither do I accuse you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That gift of no condemnation became the empowerment she needed to get out of a destructive lifestyle. 
You see, God did not approve of her sin. Jesus did not condone it, but he did not condemn her because he loved her. And no matter who you are, no matter what you need, no matter what you're going through, God is the solution. Jesus is the solution. And he loves us to the point of going to the cross and dying in our place and taking upon himself the judgment that we deserved. I love the gospel. God does not just forget about our sin. He doesn't just brush it under the table. He dealt head on with sin and death. He met it on the cross. He defeated it. He took it into the grave. He rose from the dead. He's alive. He's coming back. And now he's standing before you today, not like this. God's not like this. He's saying, come home. He's saying, I'm, I love you. He's saying, maybe you're born again, but you don't see God the way he really is. You're trapped in a treadmill of performance. And maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Do you guys believe that? Now I'm going to pray with you. It's, an e it's as easy as this. It's an exchange. You give God your old life, the pain, the brokenness, the mistakes, the control, and he gives you a brand new life. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can sacrifice or give up enough to receive it. It's a simple exchange. As long as you're holding on to control of everything, you cannot receive this gracious gift called salvation, which includes being absolutely set free from the consequences and the guilt and the power of sin. So God comes to you in the gospel and he says, this is free, but you've got to surrender control to receive it. So I want to ask everyone here to close your eyes. And I don't know where you're at with God. You know, maybe what I've shared today has really, really challenged you. And you want to walk out of this place knowing that you're right with God, that your sin's forgiven, that you've been born again. You want to walk out of here with absolute assurance where you're going. And then some of you guys here have been, you've been challenged that your perception of God has been twisted. And you haven't seen God the way he is, but the way you've been taught to believe. And today you want to make a choice to say, Jesus... Once again, I want to renew my commitment to you and, and receive eternal life. If that's you, if there's anyone here that needs to make this decision, would you just put your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But anyone here, go ahead and put it up high so I can see it. There's many, many hands going up. You don't know where you're at with God. And you want to make it sure. You want to make him not only Savior, but Lord of your life. And you want to see him as he really is. It was probably 15 or 20 hands that went up. And I want us all right now to pray together. Just out loud to God from your heart, say, Lord Jesus, here and now, I believe you love me. I believe you died in my place. I believe you rose from the dead. I receive new life. Thank you, you love me as I am. I choose to follow you. I give up control. Show me who you really are. Show me how to love. I'm free now, Lord. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys. Just go ahead and give a big round of applause for those that did that today. That right there is the greatest, most important thing you can ever do. And if you prayed that prayer, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, come and, and tell what you did to one of the, the leaders here, one of the ushers, one of the elders, because we want to give you a Bible and we want to stay connected because you need help 
to walk with God. It's not a one-night stand with Jesus. Do you guys understand that? <laughs> he's there in the morning, and he's not going anywhere. He loves you. Loves you guys. I'm going to go ahead and, and call Pastor Dennis up. And uh, if you need prayer today, my wife and I will be available to pray and minister. If you need um, us to stand for healing in your life or in your body, we'll be available to pray here in a few minutes. Thank you, guys. Nate, 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 freeze, Ruth, come up, Terry, come up. So um, we would like to take a love offering at this time for Nate, Ruth, for Angela, for L3 uh, International, L3 Ministries International. So I want to ask you to go ahead and be getting ready. We're going to be passing the plates again. This love offering is going to go to bless them. They didn't charge us a thing to come out here. They did this because they felt like God was leading them to come out here to bless us to share this message with us. But now we want to bless them back, not only to provide for them for their traveling expenses, but also to bless their ministries. So um, in just a moment, we're going to have the ushers come and receive that offering. But I want to pray for them. So uh, if you would, you guys come on up here. And I've got my wife, Terry, and she's going to lay hands upon them too as we pray. And so would you extend your, your hands out here to them? And I would like to ask you to pray for Nate and Ruth, what Nate had shared with us earlier in the uh, service last night is that uh, they've ministered powerfully in the nation of India, India, sharing the gospel, and because they had such incredible results, so many people coming to Christ, they were banned from the country. And we want to pray that uh, God would lift that ban. We know who is the author of that ban. It's, it's the, the devil. And he did not want to see people saved, or any more saved. And uh, so we want to pray that that be reversed. And I also ask you to pray for their protection and provision for them and just God's blessing upon their ministry. And he'd continue to open doors and opportunities for them to share the, the love and the power, power of Christ. So if you'd just pray silently for them for just a moment. Father, we all join our hearts together and lift up Nate and Ruth and L3 Ministries International, God. We thank you for what you've done through them, and we thank you that's just scratching the surface of what you're going to do. God, we pray that you would open many, many doors. That We pray that you would reopen the door into India, God. That you would give them favor with officials that they need favor with. God, that you'd remove those that are in opposition to them so that the gospel can go back in and power in the nation of India. Lord, we pray for abundant provision for them, that their ministry might be expanded, that they would be well cared for in their families. And Lord, I, uh, I just thank you for what you're going to do, God. And thank you for your blessing and your anointing. And uh, thanks that we get to be a part of that. We commit them, their ministry, their family, into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's receive the offering for, for them. <laughs> 